Hey, what's up? This is Patrick. Welcome to episode 29 of the Double ETF podcast, everything except the football. I hope you guys are doing great. So today we are doing something a little different. I know that last episode was the same thing, uh, something different, a marathon special. But uh, okay, so this time I recorded this in Berlin. I've been back for about a week. A while ago, I read something about a shop owner who was specialized in a very specific aspect of arts, to be more precise, paintings, a part of paintings, if you want. I don't want to give it away right now. And um, I was intrigued and I decided that I would like to talk to that man. Something about what he did fascinated me. And so I went to that uh, store and, uh, you know, knocked on the door, you know, introduced myself. I was a complete no name with a podcast back in, uh, back 6,000 kilometers away. And, uh, the man, his name is Olaf Lemke. He was uh, super nice about it. Very gracious. Uh, we talked for about uh, 20 minutes in his uh, shop. I didn't want to take too much of his time, so I, um, you know, I didn't go through the quick and quirky questions or none of that nonsense. But uh, it was a very interesting conversation, and on this one, I'm gonna need you guys to work with me a little bit because there is a strong visual component to this episode. I will post a couple of pictures on Instagram on the EETF Pod account. And that should help you guys paint a more complete mental picture of the of the situation and the um, on the topic, if you if you like. Also, there was an article in German from a local newspaper. I ran it through Google Translate because otherwise, I would, it would take me weeks to do a good job of it. And I uh, gave it a quick look afterwards, and I'll probably make it available on uh, Google Docs somewhere because. It gives a more complete, again, a more complete portrayal of uh, Hal Lemke and what he does and how he got there. It is um, a, a very interesting read, honestly. And um, I tried to um, clean up the audio as much as I could. It turned out okay, but the last minute is a bit shaky because we were moving inside his shop. It should be all right, though. I um, I hope that doesn't stop you from uh, listening and enjoying the um, conversation. Also, I am not a professional interviewer, and I had to, um, not going to say improvise, but uh, I had to think of uh, questions on the spot, and there were many things that I didn't know at all. And, um, well, you know... <laughs> Maybe I could have done more with the interview. That's, I mean, I, uh, I'm not going to deny that. But uh, given the circumstances and you know the visual support that I'm I mentioned on Instagram and the Google Doc that I also mentioned, I like to think that it should give you a good um, good idea of the um, of the man and what he does. And uh, no, yeah, Hal Lemke was super gracious, very generous with his time, and very friendly. And I appreciate that. All right. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. And um, also, if you want to drop us a line, I mentioned Instagram. You can reach us, EETFpod, over there. Same thing on Twitter, EETFpod still. Gmail, EETFpodcast at gmail.com. 
you want to contribute to the show financially, you would be more than welcome. Uh, you would join the awesome club. You could join Carly, Kevin, Josh, Nick, and Bags. Carly again, Hector, Tom, Tony Greathouse, and we have a new member. RJ walked in with his BDE, Big Donation Energy, and uh, gave us a, you know, a very nice contribution. Very appreciated. So yeah, I think that's it. Let me know what you think of this episode. You know, I know it's completely different from everything else I've done before. I hope you guys appreciate. I know it's far from perfect, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, any constructive criticism is welcome. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, here is my conversation with Herr Olaf Lemke from Berlin, and uh, we will talk again soon. Thanks. All right, so I am here in the shop Antike Ramen in yeah. Schöneberg. I am with uh, Herr Olaf Lemken. That's right. Thank you very much for inviting me today, <laughs> welcoming me to your store. This is a fascinating store because you don't sell pictures, but you sell picture frames. Right. Only. Only. No pictures. Yeah. And um, how long have you had this store? Already more than 60 years. 60 years. And what led you into this kind of business? Were you, were you working in art before? I, I'm a handcraft worker, a gilder. Okay. I start uh, three years uh, to learn a gilder. And that's, that's what led you into... Yeah. So I restore my frames on my own, only my frames. Okay. The sculptor, if something broken with wood... I have to uh, go to the sculptor, and but later on, I do everything by myself. Okay. Just a minute. Yeah, no problem. So, okay. How many frames do you have here total? Uh, well, in the moment, I got about 1,500, starting in the 15th century until the middle of the 19th century. Okay, you don't have anything more recent? Like, uh, you, uh, do you have, uh, for example, frames from 50 years ago, 1950, for example? No. No. Okay. Schinkel is, is the border, you know. Schinkel died 1845. And later on, historismus, it means always with heavy frames, but it was baroque, rococo, altogether the mixture. Mm -hmm. But I, so I stopped the frame uh, buying middle of 19th century. Okay. Um, how does it work? Usually people come here and they look at frames and they have a picture in mind and they... S no, I need always a picture, you know, to help uh, uh, clients. Uh, if they call me and said, I, ne I need a frame 60 by 80, I say, well, I can't help you. If I see the picture, I can help you. Okay. So the minimum is if they send me a photo and then I can start looking which kind of frames suits the size and the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so perhaps later on they're coming by, bring the picture, and then we can check, is this frame better than the other one? You always, yeah, of course, you always match the frame with the picture regarding the style, the, um, the era, the uh, year, and the color, I suppose. Okay. Has it ever happened that it was the other way around. For example, someone came here and they saw a frame 
and they bought the frame even before they had the picture in mind? That's different. There was one person, uh, let's say, this was already normal to have picture collections in the end of the 19th century. Okay. Some important. Uh, one important until now lives in, in London. He came about uh, 40 years ago and was sent from a friend uh, from Munich. He's uh, also a gilder and he know that I got early frames and he came here and after two hours said, this frame, this frame, this frame, this one, please send it to me to Frankfurt. I start collecting. I have not the money to buy the pictures in this century, 15th century, okay. but I got the money to buy frames. Okay. So he's, he's, he was a large picture frame dealer and he moved to London and he bought a house especially by an architect to have many glass. If you do a walk just by one meter, then you can see already the next room or the next frame. So it was very, very nice. But he stopped it. The children are grown up mm -hmm. and the house was too big and he sold the house and he got no small collection. Of <laughs> Do you know of other people specialized in the picture frames in, in Germany or yeah, in uh, Berlin? Let's say one is in Berlin too, in the Bleibtreustrasse. Okay. Markus Deng, he is very good. He's over the Gilde and he, I told him years, years ago, if he got money over to buy old frames, I'm 85. And so it's on the end, as you see, five years more or less than I close all my daughter, uh, carry on. But normally in this quality you find in Paris, in London, in New York, mm -hmm. in Basel. Basel. Basel, yeah. That's okay. Thomas Knoll. It's only six. So important that to say he got about London colleagues got 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 picture frames. Okay. And do you often talk to art galleries or museums? Sometimes museums, but the problem is they have no money. And uh, so it's very difficult. Normally I got 99% private collections. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess it makes sense. They have their own collection of frames. Yes, they, sure. Okay. They got hundreds of couple of hundred uh, frames in their stock. Okay, and yeah. they use it as the uh, as they need in the exhibitions. Yeah. Okay, okay. You you said earlier that you have about fifteen hundred frames here right now. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me about there? There has to be one of them here that is your favorite for any reason at all. Can you tell <laughs> me about it? No, it's very difficult. Uh, well, early ones are sometimes your favorite, but every century got favorite things, especially Berlin in the 18th century, middle of 18th century by Frederick II. Mm -hmm. You see, if I see the frame, I can say that's Berlin, that's Munich, that's Dresden, because they are very, very strong designers of the translation of the Rococo or, or let's say classic Schinkel made many drawings or frames. Okay in the early uh, early 19th century. So here right now, you don't have any favorite? <laughs> no, you know, it's difficult to say. I, I love 18th century, especially Munich or Berlin, and then 
wrong, but it's it's difficult. I I love them all. It doesn't, okay. matter, it doesn't matter which century. Okay, that's that's all, that's all right. So, is there one specific detail that interests you the most in a frame? Usually, for example, what is the first thing that you notice? You look at the frame. You will you notice like the uh, the year or the the style? Well, you know, except on the profile, uh, which century the frame is immediately. Mm -hmm. Later on, you check which country. Then from a country is quite big, everyone, mm -hmm. let's say France or Italy, then you find out which part of the country, okay. let's say Italy, Rome, Bologna, Venetian, or so. And um, right now, would you say that you find out the most information at a frame just by looking at it? Or do you have to look into, um, uh, do, do some research, books? Sometimes, sure. Okay. If I don't find out, I've got about 60 books about frames. Okay. Let's say they start uh, the late 19th century, but uh, many colleagues in London especially did many books about frames. Sometimes I check through and say, could be this one or could be... But you know the wood, how it's been made, and it's very easy to find out which country it's. That's easy. Okay. But especially if you see the wood, the different wood from different countries, let's say oak in, in France or light wood in Italy, especially Venetian. And, and uh, can you tell me if there is one type of wood that makes the best frames? No, I think the important thing is what's coming up the wood, on top of the wood. Okay. You know, how it's been carved, how it's been gilded, or how it's been uh, in, in color, red uh, lacquer, or special Venetian, I like Venetian frames with lacquer and different ornaments and so. Okay. Do you do restoration as well? Only for myself. Okay. If you've got so many frames, there's always something happened. Or it's been, especially in the, uh, let's say, start of frame, 16th century. In the 17th century, they took black on top. Or green, they like the green frame. Or, so I take them all off until the bottom, the original, uh, doesn't matter, is destroyed or not. Uh, if you see, that's a Venetian frame there on the... The big one, mm -hmm. he is destroyed uh, by a painter, I think, because he wanted to have a frame without any gilding, and he took a brush with water and washed it up, mm. and that's the end. But I never restore or re-gild. I leave it like it is, destroyed by somebody stupid, but anyway. Okay. Uh, and I leave it, and I wait if a picture comes, And he needs this destroyed saints, especially if you think on the, uh, like Picasso, Spintotl, mm -hmm. or the Kirchen, or Nolde, or so. So I use frames like this for this new, let's say, 20th century painters. Hmm. And have you been interested in other things related to this, for example, like maybe restoration of, um, other types of uh, works of art, like maybe sculptures or, No, uh, I'm collecting uh, sculptures, but only the the beginning of a sculpture. If an artist uh, gets an order to, let's say, 18th century, 
to have an idea about, uh, or he, he gets the idea, let's say, from the church or so. <laughs> he wanted uh, Christ or something. And he starts with tone modelizing. Mm -hmm. Tone is clay. You see every fingerprint. Uh, that kind of art I like very much uh, collecting a little. <laughs> okay. It's called Buzzetti. The Italian word Buzzetti is a word for the beginning of an artist if he starts in tone or can be in wood too. Mm -hmm. And then um, have you have you been interested in uh, painting yourself? No. At some point, somebody painted me. Oh. I'm not painting. I'm not painting. <laughs> no. Okay. And. Um, Yeah, okay, so I guess these frames are all for painting, but what if someone came here and asked you she was looking for a frame for photography? That's very difficult because some clients coming with very, very expensive photography, but the photography is so exact and the frames 17, 18, it's handcraft work. It's just suits together. That's true. I sent them always to colleagues to have an idea. Let's say he needs ideas to frame a photo. Okay. So you mentioned your your uh, daughter. She will take over the uh, the shop in a few years when you're ready to uh, to retire. At least you have someone to you know. My daughter, yes. Keep keep she's, your work. She's uh, uh, the designer in, and uh, she has very good taste, but it's different. Uh, with working with handcraft and design, but perhaps this works. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to have someone yeah. to continue your work at least. Sure. That's, sure. Uh, that's good. All right. Well, I mean, I have one last question. Over time, what did you, what is the most important thing that you learned about the profession of, uh, you know, keeping? Uh, you can start with different ways. I start with handcraft working. Mm -hmm. But I got colleagues in London, they have a fantastic school in Cambridge, and they start from the top. So I start from the bottom. If I talk with art historians, uh -huh. normally we are the same age, I said, you got something in your head which I don't know, but you got something not in your head, which means it's my stomach. I come from the bottom. I explain to you this, this, can't be only this, this. And perhaps you send me that no, it can't be. So two different things, art historians and I start always fighting and <laughs> talking and... Uh, well, do, um, do you argue with other people with the same profession as you? Like, do, do you all have the same methods, more or less, or uh, the others work in a completely different way? So we work different, sure. So, yeah, diff different ideas, Especially if you get Picasso, mm -hmm. Schmidt-Rottloff, Nolde or something. That's different. Uh, well, I, I'm very specialized to frame this kind of uh, painters. But you ask something, yeah, if something coming and talk about frames, you know, frames are very expensive. But they were always in the centuries before very expensive. Okay. In the 19th century, when they start the meter by meter working and getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. That's entirely different. Normal people, which never saw in my shop or in the other shop, 
they are sometimes depromised if I said, well, this frame costs 20,000 euros. Mm -hmm. And uh, then is how is this possible? And I explain. If somebody asks me, I explain why this frame is so important uh, in one of the centuries, doesn't matter, Italy, Germany, or France, or Spain. It is often for expensive paintings, so paintings, you know it's, yeah, it's okay. If somebody is coming with a painting that costs about five hundred euro. I can. I am the wrong person for you. I okay. tell him if he say it doesn't matter. I say doesn't matter. No, I can't give you a frame for ten thousand euro, and I know this make doesn't work together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be like. Um, putting very expensive wheels on a uh, cheap uh, Opel car, yeah, for sure. example. <laughs> yeah, sure, it's the same. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, yeah, so that was my, uh, that was my questions. Yeah. I, uh, I thank you for your time. It's all right. <laughs> I give you something. Uh, Is it okay if I take a few photos? Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that someone did a, a portrait of you. When is that from? It's just been 15 years ago. 15 years ago? Okay. Yeah, my car, and he's looked at me. I spent years in London, like 57 until 1959. Okay. And he escaped the Nazis in 1938 and moved to London and was the best firm in Berlin and the best firm in Britain. Wow. I spent there three years. It was very, very important for me. I'm very grateful that I see this man and work with him. Well, it's nice to uh, to be able to uh, be around, you know, people who are on on top of their art, yeah. on top of their profession. That's that's fantastic. 